take a moment with me and bow your heads and speak to this great God of ours who we do need every moment of every day and including the moments that we're spending together now. Lord Jesus, please, I need you. So take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills, Lord Jesus. Bend them to your own. Take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We need thee, oh, we need thee, every hour, Lord Jesus, we need thee. And right now, Lord Jesus, we come to you to seek that help. Thank you for your promise in your word that we may draw close to you with boldness, not cowering, not with reticence, to come boldly, to seek forgiveness, mercy, and to seek help in our time of need. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you hear this prayer and right now move in on us to answer that prayer. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I've visited a church down in Florida a couple of years ago. A friend of some of ours is one of the pastors there, Cal Gardner, so I went over to see Cal and Ginny Gardner and uh, visited the church where they were helping. I walked away with a mug that they gave me. Recently, I took a look at that mug, like in the last couple of weeks, and having looked at it, set it on my desk, because this is what it says, apart from advertising this church. It says, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will build a great church. Well, we're in that process here at Christ Church. Nothing's ever perfect with any one of us, pastors included. But that's our vision, to have a great commitment to the great commandment, which is to love one another, the great commission, which is to so love the world that we'll get out there with the gospel and share it. And the net results will be for us, as we're witnessing it amongst ourselves, a great church family. And the essence of the gospel is in its two first letters, G-O, Go. Jesus, John, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10. 
he gathers his 12 apostles, they're named there, and then by verse 5, he's into mission with them, gathers them, commissions them, and sends them out. That's the phrase. If you turn to page 6 in your service sheet, I'd encourage you to do that. You'll see this passage from Matthew chapter 10. And you pick up the text at verse 5, right there in front of you. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. But I've underlined in my Bible in red, sent out. God so loved the world that he sent And that's not normally where we focus, on that action word of God so loving us. But he sent Jesus. Jesus, toward the end of his ministry, praying a prayer, said, Father, as you sent me, so I send them. The Great Commission devolves, that is, comes down upon each of us. As the Father sent the Son, so the Son sends us. Go into all the world, Mark's gospel, and preach the gospel. Matthew's, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. John recounts that message. As the Father sent me, so I send you. In the Acts of the Apostles, the author of that is Luke. Luke who gave us the good shepherd looking for the lost sheep. A hundred, one lost, goes looking for it. That parable in Luke's Gospel. But Luke also authored the Acts of the Apostles. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. That happens to be wherever we are. So look back to Matthew 10. Perhaps you should circle that Jesus sent out the disciples. He said, do not go among the Gentiles nor enter any town of the Samaritans. Go, circle that word, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's got a strategy. You can't take on everything all the time. But given where he was in his mission, given his inheritance as a Jew, born into the family of Israel, given that these first believers are all Jews, he sends them to the lost sheep of Israel. Later on, he expands that vision to the world, but his mission at that point was to go after his very own. Jesus was strategic. In Luke's gospel, he gathers 70 followers, sends them out two by two to all the villages and hamlets of Israel. In that strategy, he was generating such excitement and awareness 
that the kingdom of God was at hand, which was the mission they were to preach and express. God's taking action. The Savior is here. The Messiah has come. The kingdom is like at our fingertips, in the neighborhood, at hand. And the whole thrust of God's kingdom is go. Let me use this language. Get your butts out of those seats and have at it. You'll remember that phrase. Sounds strange to my English voice to say it. Get your... I mean, I need to talk like you guys. Get going. Further on, he says, as you go, look at verse 7, as you go. The assumption is that they're going to follow his instructions and go. I'm sure they went very tentatively. They're out there on their own now, dispersed to go. Anytime I've taken on any new mission, any venture, and even some that I'm very, very familiar with, to go and speak God's word is a challenge. We know there's going to be opposition. And in fact, later in this passage, Jesus says, I send you as wolves, excuse me, as sheep among the wolves. There will be opposition. Makes us somewhat tentative. We tell ourselves, well, I'm not really equipped for that. It's okay for these chaps who've been to theological school. Got a lifetime of training. I'm not ready for that. How ready do you think these first followers of Jesus were? He only ministered three years. That's barely enough to get a degree in this country. They were sent out and began to put to work under his authority what he told them to do. And as they went, one of the things is clear is that God has a strategy. Even in sending them to the lost sheep of Israel, rather than to the Gentile cities, sometimes you come across a little phrase in the Gospels, the Decapolis. The Decapolis. Those are, Deca is for ten, and the polis is the city. There were ten cities in Galilee, in that region, that were Gentile cities. Established by Gentiles, came to do business. Samaritans were in the northern part of Israel. And they were half-breeds between the Jewish people and the Gentiles, the Samaritan Gentiles. That's not your mission field right now, said Jesus. Clearly a strategy. You go to the lost of Israel. Well, we here at Christ Church have a strategy. You've got two pieces in your service sheet that express parts of that strategy. This lavender sheet that's right there in your grasp is a sign-up for the missions class, which Pastor Jared advertised. We have four classes in sequence that are part of the strategy. The first is membership. 
As far as our church family is concerned, you're not going anywhere until you get committed. You've got to get committed somewhere. Be a part of the team. If you stand alone, all you can get done is what you do by yourself. To be part of a family or a team. To get committed. That's that's the first big class. Second, maturity. How to grow in your faith. Third class is to discover your ministry. Some of you are on your way around. The last class, the missions class, you can't even get into this class until you've been through the other three. And since I'm preaching about this encounter mission, and that's been our theme, it would be so wonderful if we said, skip the other classes, turn up for this one. I was tempted to say that. Pastor Ed teaching us a brilliant missionary has the authenticity to teach us how to be missionaries on mission. But that's in your your grasp. Similarly, sponsor a child. There are all different kinds of ways of going. To be able to send a note. To be praying for people. There is one lady whose daughter is actually singing in our choir who 40 years ago Her pastor said there's a new young man in town by the name of John Guest and you should be praying for him. And that woman has prayed for me every day for 40 years. And she never met me until several years after that. To pray is a part of going with your, the force of your spiritual relationship to the Lord into the mission field. To sponsor a child is another way of going. Some of you support Pastor Ed here at home. God's strategy is like this. Jerusalem, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where you live. That's the natural automatic environment. You don't become a missionary by going overseas. You start the journey right where you live. In your own family, your own neighborhood, with your own friends and workplace. Jerusalem. Judea is a bit further afield. For us, the north side of Pittsburgh would be a bit further afield. And then Judea, further afield. Samaria, further afield. The uttermost parts, further afield. And part of our strategy, too, is to invest heavily in one place. You can't do it all. So for over a decade, we've been very, very committed to Uganda. And a team is going back out to Uganda this week. We've moved a little closer, taking on the Dominican Republic, working with food for the hungry. Easier to get to in the same time zone. More of us can go. And to take on one town. We are taking on one area called Tamarindo. We're not taking on the whole of the Dominican Republic. We will make a difference in Tamarindo by the grace of God, bringing our resources, our people, our prayers to Tamarindo. What's happened in Uganda is spectacular by comparison to just scattering our largesse, our gifts a little bit here and a little bit there. We've invested heavily. There's a coffee plantation 
There is a hospital there. There is a maternity hospital there. There is a technical school there. Some of us are still paying for pastors half their salary a year. We've been heavily invested. We've done training of the pastors. We've sent libraries out to the pastors. We've taken things, training. And there's a wonderful teaching that's going out to the young people of Uganda all this week. Now we're, as a church, taking our focus, and by the way, springing out of our encounter Uganda was an ongoing ministry called SEED. It's led by uh, Eileen and Graham Hodgetts. Terrific ministry. So it's like a sub-chapter of the large chapter we wrote. Drilling teams. Drilling wells. When we go down to the Dominican Republic, we'll have that same impact. Praise God that we can make a difference in one community. And one of the important parts is adopting a child. You can't go. You may be able to go meet that child. You'll have a picture of that child. You can send letters and gifts to that child. Birthday card, Christmas present. Not a big deal, but life-changing for them. Poverty, as it's been described, whether it's in Uganda or the Dominican Republic, makes people that we think are poor in the USA look rich. Wealth is relative. I don't have time to expound on that. But what we call poor in America, the rest of the world would love to have it that badly. And that's what we see when we go to the Dominican Republic. So that's a strategy. So we invest heavily. Time, energy, money, gifts, vision. To help change that one corner of the world. Sign up. The group going out to Uganda this week. One of them has been charged with visiting our son there. We took on a lad who was brought into the orphanage while we were there. A little baby that had been deserted, abandoned in the wild. Somebody took, found that baby and brought it into the orphanage at the same time we were there. The baby was lying on a crib, an adult crib, like a little miniature of an adult lying in the middle of this large mattress. And Evis, the lady who was running that orphanage, said to me and my wife, pray for this little one and expressed and explained what I've just shared with you. So we prayed with the, for the little baby. And Evie said, we're going to call you, she's like speaking to the baby, we're going to call you guest because these people prayed for you. We gave him the name John Guest. He was nameless. John Guest. And they didn't know when he was born. They gave him my birthday. 26th of July. Remember that date. 26th of July. 
We visited him when we were going back and forth there as he was growing up. He's now moving into puberty. He says he wants to be an evangelist like his dad, John Guess. How about that? But we've been supporting him all through those early little baby days, baby steps. One visit out there, I had the privilege of baptizing him. We have a photograph of him with us. There's so much more we could have done and should have done. Kathy and I are speaking about the need to get back out there and see John. You can have a relationship like that to a child in the Dominican Republic and make a world of difference. One person, one family, one street at a time. That's a strategy. To come full circle back to the beginning, God's strategy with us is that we begin right where we are, where you live, your own family, your own neighborhood, the people that you automatically associate with, wherever you shop, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, whatever kind of recreational pastime, the things that interest you, to be involved there and see yourself as you go sharing the gospel. The Apostle Peter, in his first letter, chapter 3, verse 15, says this. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Around you, where you live, people are lost. So the word of Jesus, go to the lost sheep of Israel, to those immediate followers in that day. We tend not to want to deal with the fact that people really are lost. As I was reflecting on this, preparing for our time together here this morning, two phrases described what it means to be lost. To live without purpose and to die without hope. That's despair. We live in a despairing culture. Pleasure wears thin very quickly. The law of diminishing returns always works its way through whatever thing turns us on at the moment. Whatever we give ourselves to. I was thinking of the Denver Broncos, and now they've got their Super Bowl rings. And I've heard men who've put on that ring, and is that all there is? I mean, there's a moment of triumph when you're welcomed back to your city. But that, was that, is that it? That's every football player's dream. America really loves American football. There is another kind. And you're really given to it. Is that all there is? 
and to die without hope. One of the salutary words at the close of this reading is that there is a day of judgment. Look at verse 15. I tell you the truth. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. The day of judgment. There is a day appointed. We will all be judged as we have said in the creed. To judge the, from the living and the dead. Judgment will take place. More tolerable, bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day than for that town that rejects Jesus and his message. For the people around us, they are really, really lost. Without purpose, except made up stuff. And without hope, no assurance of whatever happens beyond the grave. But we know that without Christ, a godless eternity in hell awaits the lost. They are lost. Jesus described his own around him as the lost of the house of Israel. Lostness is a real plight. We were all once lost, but now are found. We were blind, but now we see. Having been found, now seeing, Jesus takes possession of us so that we see as he sees. We think as he thinks. His agenda becomes ours. So that as the Father sent the Son, the Son sends us and we go. And strategically set ourselves to go. Let's go for it. It's Valentine's Day. One of the great motivations of going is our love for Jesus. These disciples had been drawn to Jesus. When he said go, they went. A disciple is one who follows Jesus, is devoted to Jesus. It's not just a lightweight relationship. They were heartbroken when Jesus was executed. They'd given their lives to him. They expected something different. On this Valentine's Day, when we remember those in our lives that we love, and that romantic wave of fever catches us again. I remember when I first met Kathy, my wife, and fell in love with her. I was in love with her before I ever told her that. Risking telling, who's going to say first, I love you. That's all the cards on the table. I loved her before I ever told her I loved her. And in loving her, I wanted her to meet my friends and my friends to meet her. Do you remember those days? Do you remember when you first got excited about Jesus and you couldn't keep quiet? He needs to rekindle in us that same passion for himself that wherever we are, we are on mission. Our careers are only a means of a living, essentially. There, within that career, we are on mission. It's our mission field. There are people around us who are lost. 
And that is a desperate plight that Jesus came to fix. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord Jesus, we call you Lord because you are. And we call you Jesus because you have become our Savior and made yourself known to us. And too often, Lord, when we tell you we love you, we don't mean it all the way. Move us forward in your passion and your desire for us. As you encourage us to go, help us to be goers. Love does. Help us to be doers in the name of your kingdom. As we pray and we give honor to you, may it be our soul's desire that your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You've given us that mission. Help us to be doers of the word, not just forgetful hearers. Help us to go. Help us to express that heartbeat and passion of yours. To go. And as we go, share the good news and the good work of your kingdom. We pray this for your name's sake, Lord Jesus. Amen.